Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Welcome back to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. It's great to be with you today. I am Boyd Matheson. Hope you're having a fantastic Tuesday and had a great Memorial Day weekend. And as we continue our discussion, you know, we often talk about overregulation. Uh, there was a lot of hand wringing, wringing uh, early on in the pandemic uh, as we looked at things like, oh, the ability to gather or worship uh, being you know, marginalized or uh, moved out uh, really quickly uh, by sweeping uh, government declarations. Uh, But there was also some positive things that happened in terms of the relaxing of some regulations. And uh, really pleased to be joined by our our friend uh, Jared Dieterle, who is a resident fellow at R Street Institution, uh, joins us on the line to talk about uh, some of the areas where maybe maybe the pandemic uh, showed us that we could relax a few regulations along the way. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, it's uh, it's always fun to to talk about this topic because it involves booze. <laughs> <laughs> so as you look at it, there were there were a number of things that uh, started to happen during the course of the pandemic. One of them uh, does have to do with uh, liquor laws in a in a lot of places around the country. Tell us, uh, you wrote a, a piece for Politico. Yeah, yeah, the, uh, it's been really interesting. The uh, the pandemic kind of uh, forced this mass uh, rethink of uh, kind of how we access and buy uh, alcohol, whether it can be delivered to us, um, whether it can be in it kind of to go or take out format. So I think um, you know most uh, people are familiar since most states in the country during the pandemic allowed to go cocktails. Uh, so all of a sudden we could get margaritas uh, with our you know plate of nachos. Uh, it's something that, that hadn't really existed in most uh, every state and uh, city before then, and all of a sudden it did. Uh, and that, it, it is understandable why, because more people were eating at home, but I think it started uh, uh, making a lot of people ask the question, hey, you know, why, why, why isn't this always the case? Uh, why can't I always do this? I've been able to order a pizza to go for years, so, you know, why, why not a, a cocktail with it? Um, and, and, you know, that and just generally um, all different kinds of alcohol delivery from breweries and distilleries and and the corner store um, or, or the restaurant or bar uh, became uh, kind of green lighted during COVID. And, and now more states are, are actually starting to go about and finalize a lot of that stuff. Yeah. Uh, so interesting. You also, uh, in your piece, went on to talk about uh, things like both uh, health care and uh, mental health care uh, that we were able during the pandemic to relax some of those things in terms of uh, telehealth across state lines, something that uh, has been a battle from the regulatory regimes for decades and decades, uh, but then also the mental health in terms of being able to do that online and across state lines. Yeah, yeah, there was a lot of uh, changes that allowed insurance to cover um, telehealth services. And and then, yeah, also, as you, as you mentioned, it's often um, – very difficult for doctors to practice across, or, or nurses or any medical professional to practice across state lines, uh, which uh, oftentimes you do do if, uh, if if it's a telehealth appointment. For example, I live in Virginia, and then I'd be you know perfectly happy to 
uh, you know, talk to a, a good doctor in Maryland, for example, who could, who could advise me uh, over video chat or, or the phone about uh, some ailment that I'm dealing with. Um, and so a lot of that got uh, reformed and waived uh, during uh, COVID. And, and I think a lot of it is, is going to be here to stay. I mean, particularly with the telehealth thing, it's so so convenient. I don't, I don't know anyone that enjoys going to the doctor's office. So having uh, them call you uh, is, is nice. And there's some things you're going to have to go for in person, but kind of having that option uh, is really a great convenience. And I think, again, caused a lot of people to ask, hey, why, why wasn't this always the case? Yeah. One of the things you pointed out, uh, which uh, I hadn't really considered, uh, was that if suddenly we did go back, as especially as it relates to, to medical telehealth and, and uh, mental telehealth, uh, if we did suddenly just snap back to you know pre-pandemic regulatory regimes, uh, that could be a real uh, hardship and a real detriment, especially in, in some of our uh, poorer and, and more vulnerable communities. Yeah, uh, that's absolutely right. It, um it, it's, it's not just a convenience thing. It, it, a lot of people don't realize, you know, kind of the cost and time that things like doctor appointments can take. Uh, you know, people that are able to work on a flexible schedule or, you know, in a, a remote work environment. Uh, for a lot of us, it's not too difficult to get to the car, you know, to the doctor at 2 p.m. on a Monday. But people that work shift work uh, or have to be in person, uh, it can be really difficult. But, but a telehealth appointment can be a lot easier sometimes. And so if we go back to that, it's just it's going to really uh, disadvantage a lot of people. And again, particularly people in, in kind of uh, lower middle income uh, professions oftentimes uh, make their lives a lot more difficult and costly for, for no good reason, really. Yeah. If you're just joining us, we've got uh, Jarrett Dieterly on the line with us from uh, R Street Institute. And uh, just before I let you go, I wanted to to get in and see just what you're hearing in terms of kind of the, the go forward, both from a federal policy standpoint, but also obviously the patchwork of states as it relates to uh, alcohol policy in particular, more and more state by state. Uh, but what are you hearing both nationally and, and kind of around the country in terms of, you know, what do we do we snap back or are some of these uh, changes of some of these regulatory systems uh, here to stay? Yeah, it's a good question. And, and I think that a lot of people, you know, unless they're kind of uh, experts on government process, uh, maybe maybe don't think about it, but but a lot of the stuff that, that we've been enjoying, these things we've been talking about, it has been temporary kind of executive orders. It's really easy for a governor uh, or the president to, you know, sign something quickly in a, in a state of emergency. But to make it permanent, oftentimes you, you need the legislatures to, to come in and, and pass the law. So, uh, but but that being said, I, I, I think it's going to be really hard to put the the toothpaste back into the uh, tube, uh, so to speak, with this. Just just because you know, again, uh, as we've been saying about all these topics, whether it's something you know just like alcohol or whether uh, uh, it's something like uh, healthcare, uh, it's made our lives more convenient and in a helpful way. And and that's you know maybe the only silver lining uh, of a global pandemic, but it, it has kind of created this forced rethink on a lot of stuff. And, and I do think that it's going to be really hard for states not to extend and make more of this uh, permanent, just, just because once, once the American consumer becomes used to something and, and technology uh, kind of uh, advances rapidly uh, throughout our history, it's always been really hard to, to kind of go back on that. So I, I do think optimistically that a lot of it is here to stay. Yeah. 
Great insight as always. Jared Dieterle joining us. Uh, he's a resident fellow at R Street Institute and uh, always appreciate your perspective on uh, especially these regulatory pieces that drive me crazy. <laughs> and hopefully <laughs> at some point we'll get them all sorted out. Uh, Jared, thanks for joining us today. Thanks much. You have a great one. All right. Uh, again, so interesting. Some of these things that were relaxed uh, during the course of the pandemic, uh, whether it's uh, alcohol policy or whether it's telehealth or telemedicine uh, and uh, mental health. Uh, there's a host of those things that I think got better as a result. And it would be sad if we had a, a snapback moment uh, where legislatures didn't uh, advance the ball on uh, really providing better care, more options uh, to more communities and more individuals. Uh, some of the things that we've learned are absolutely possible during the course of the pandemic. All right, we're going to step aside for bottom of the hour news. We are tracking uh, President Joe Biden is speaking in Tulsa, Oklahoma today. The 100th anniversary of the Tulsa race massacre will bring some highlights from that, as well as I think one of the best speeches President Biden has ever delivered, which he did yesterday at Arlington National Cemetery. Stay with us. Much more to come on Inside Sources on KSL News Radio. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.